Hi there, and thank you very much for checking out Tellage Talks. This week, Ken Carmen, big time sports talk guy at 92.3 The Fan, and also on CBS Sports on a national level. From Perry High School, the University of Akron, and now the morning guy along with Anthony Lima on 92.3 The Fan. Also, very proud to say as well, that Kenny is part of our team on our very fun, loving show, Friday Night Touchdowns, for 12 weeks during the fall as we cover the best in high school football all over Northeast Ohio. We sat down and chatted at 92.3 The Fan, Kenny and I talking about how he got into the business, how he signed his contract to do the show at 92.3 The Fan on the steps of the church where he was married. We'll have him tell that story and much, much more. Ken Carmen on Tellage Talks. Kenny, great to have you on. I am so interested in your story because you're one of the young, very talented people in our business, and yet we all kind of have a different routes that we take to get to uh, where we are in life. You're a Stark County guy. Mm-hmm. Is this something you always wanted to do? Uh, in high school, I wanted to be a, a, either a, a football coach and a teacher, which I probably would have been not too good at. Um, but I would have been, hopefully I would have been okay at it, but I'm certainly not as good as this. But um, I wanted to be either that or a sports writer. And when I was a senior in high school, uh, we did a, in my speech class, uh, with Mrs. Uh, with Mrs. Patron. Did you get A's from her? I uh, I think I got B's. Oh, okay. I think I got B's because you know we had speech we'll, and debate and all that. We'll be stuff. sending her a letter. Oh well, yeah, she was a very nice lady. Uh, still is a nice lady. But um, we did a we did a radio uh, project and we used to had to go down to the office and I did like a thing and I I threw on the announcer voice and things <laughs> like that. I mean, real puking all over the microphone thing. But she actually really but you liked were not it. nervous. No. Okay. Unless it was you know high school clown around stuff. So I, I puked all over the microphone and, and did that thing, but it was put together pretty decently. And uh, the assistant principal heard it, and he's like, you ought to try to do radio. And Akron has a pretty good radio program, that whole thing, and he mentioned Kent State. And so uh, I applied at Akron, and Akron has a, had a really good – they still do. They had a really good uh, college radio station. Uh, WZIP, and I could hear it when I was at home, so that made things better because it was just, you know, radio then. So um, one thing led to another, and uh, just basically, I don't want to say fell into it because you got to try, but sure. uh, the guy who, who ran WZIP then, a guy named Tom Beck, I mean, he ran it just like what, you know, my boss Tom here would or, or like Andy Roth here would or my yeah. old boss Keith Kennedy. Keith Kennedy. I mean, they, he it was a – it wasn't like – slapping around college radio. I mean, yeah. it was a real thing. He'd throw you right out there. They had underwriting, the whole thing. So he did a really good job, and I thought it made me a lot better to do this. And it really was a test of whether or not you wanted to do it or not. And so I just kind of took it from there and kind of just tried to go each step I possibly could. Well, you know, Kenny, uh, some of these, like the quote, unquote, public uh, broadcasting entities, some people kind of look uh, side, sideways at them. Um, like even the the Akron Public Schools, WAPS, mm-hmm. uh, our former sports producer at Fox 8, Tommy Bruno, is the GM there. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic station. Yeah. And, and and you would just think, well, it's a high school affiliate. What? How could good good could it be? Or it's a college affiliate thing. How good could it be? Mm-hmm. There is some mm-hmm. quality that you can. So what'd you learn there? 
I learned everything. I learned everything. I learned how to go after a job. I learned how to basically keep a job. I learned how to, I was the sports director for a, for two years. I learned how to be, you know, be in charge of people, made mistakes, learned from those mistakes. Um, you know, it, it's always going to be, it's really in that level, it's going to be what the administrators make it. So if, if it's just kind of a, a guy who sometimes in a, in a lot of, in a lot of things of what you hear from all over the country, it's some old goofball who really didn't make it in radio or got yeah. fired because he was, a, you know, he acted like an idiot. And then for whatever reason, he, he backs into a spot like that and he lets people be goofballs and idiots. <laughs> or you have situations where you have guys who were program directors and bosses and maybe they retired from from uh, from commercial radio okay. and then they go and they run that and they know exactly what people are hiring and, and they run it in that fashion. And I, I was blessed, and I mean that, to have you know a guy like Tom Beck and, and Phil Hoffman who held us to a very high standard on – on the ZIP radio and ZTV thing, who who did a really good job there. And there's there's a lot of great places around there. You know, I live in Streetsboro. They have uh, you know WSTB, right down the street out of their high school, and you can hear them on the regular radio. And I you know you have to have an opportunity uh, to be able to do that. But also you're gonna you're gonna have to have people who ha- hold you to a high standard. And I was you know, very lucky to have that. And it, it was always sports. Um, I did I did night rock. Okay. Because we always flip formats at seven o'clock. We did rock because you know it's. It's fun. So I was a country DJ. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Wait, where at? Uh, WNCO, Ashland, Ohio. I did. Was it AM 1340? <laughs> it was AM 1340. And then I ended up being on that radio station. I actually sent my news and weather when I worked at another station in Akron. I sent my news and weather. Okay. Over there, and then I would have to go over there, you know, once a week. And then when I did Ashland play-by-play. I would have to go pick up the equipment and talk to the late, great Gene Davis, who was the program director of that station. We lost Gene a couple years ago. He's a great guy. Um, That entire staff was great. I'd have to go out to Mansfield and do that. So it was kind of – at one point in my life, I made like a great big loop of of Akron Canton, of Ashland, and Mansfield. So – I got to know Route 30 real well. Yes. Got to know the the heartland of of, of Ohio <laughs> really well. North Central Ohio. Yeah, but I did I did rock. I did uh, I did uh, when I first started in uh, in Akron in our cluster, we had I I had to do <laughs> I had to do afternoon traffic and news and weather, and they let me do the sports talk show, but it was on a signal that wasn't very big, and they would always just me going you're getting no you get no ratings you never will just do it so you're always going to be your first thing is going to be to the to the other four stations or five stations at the time now they got like 10 down there but uh so we would (laughs) get we would get weather alerts and i'd be in there you know talking to god knows talking about god knows what the god knows who trying to cut teeth trying to do the show and i had no producer so i would be in the middle of some like soliloquy and I would, I'd see the phone ring, and so I'd turn my mic off while I was doing it, and I'd be like, you know, at the time, it's like, you know, I don't think Brady Quinn is a whole lot, you are line one, in a, in a whole lot of trouble against Kansas City. I don't see it that way. And then I would go, line one, you're next up on the air. And I would do it like that. And anyway, we'd get weather alerts, and my boss used to come in and stare at me. Because he wanted you to Because he wanted on that. me to do the weather and stuff like that. So there were a couple of shows where we were, th- <laughs> I was three to six, and there were a couple of shows where... I would go on the air and I go, uh, weather's getting a little nasty out. It's 4:30 and I gotta go take care of my other duties. So we'll talk to you all tomorrow at three o'clock. And that was the end of it. And I'd have to go in. Yep, I'd have to go into the rock station and do that. So 
I did everything. I mean, I did absolutely everything. A lot of guys, you know, when they first start out, they want to do, they want to just be on air, and, yeah. and that's that's fine. But especially now, it's like, man, I I I, I loaded commercials. I pr- I produced yep. commercials. Same here. I did Jeez. all that stuff. I did. I even I even they did you write commercials? Yo, I, I did God, that. Yeah, I, yep. I had to do everything. Everything that has been done in radio. <laughs> It, 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 you know, if, if anybody from Ohio Media School or anybody hears this, I had to do everything. You have to hear everything. So yeah. if you're in college or whatever, you you better hear everything. You better do everything because you, you you should learn how to do it because it's if it's the easiest foot in the door. It's yeah. the easiest way to get a foot in the door. Yeah, it is. A, and, and so for you, you went that particular route. There's, as you mentioned, the Ohio Media School. There's full uh, full on four year colleges, mm-hmm. great schools, Syracuse. Ashland was great when I was there. And they have still, a great program. Was, they have a fantastic yes, they program do. there. So, um, and so there's so many different ways. But so as you kind of climb the ladder, are you more and more defining what it is ultimately you'd like to do? Or were you just kind of just, you know, from one job to the next, just getting more and more experience? I think I think it's more of the latter. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that you can really set things out. I mean, I thought at the time, you know, when I first started everything, I wanted to do play-by-play, and I did, you know, minor league baseball, and I did football and basketball, and men's and women's basketball was great because we were all on the same bus, and I got to learn a lot about the women's program, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a, I'm name-dropping like crazy, well, I just always want to mention, you know, they had Robin Fralick at a time, she's at BG, yes. she was an assistant while I was there, and the great Sue Ramsey was yeah, the coach from at Ashland. that time. She w- is a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she truly is. I have a world of respect because before, you know, I, I've admitted this on air before. I was, I wouldn't say, I, 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 I try not to be typical jerk male radio guy, but I just didn't care for women's basketball. And so I learned a lot from them about, you know, what goes into the actual work of women's basketball. I've yep. always been really thankful for that experience with them uh, because it taught me a lot about what it takes to do that. And everybody always thinks, you know, guys always think, oh, you know, women, you know how they are, typical. The men were way worse to deal with, way tougher to deal with because, you know, you got 19-year-old college kid from, from anywhere in the country. Right. And... You know, males, we can be, uh, they were very, they could be catty at times and things like that. <laughs> and the ladies were like, ah, oh, we beat everybody by 20 points and everything's nice. And if yes. there's ever a problem, we're going to work through it because we're committed to the team. I, it was such a, it was such an awakening of what I thought it was going to be. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I wanted to do play by play so badly. And uh, I ended up getting an opportunity to do this. So away we go. I haven't done play by play now in, in years. And sometimes I miss it. Sometimes, you know, it's I'm committed to this. I'm committed to what we do. And maybe someday in the future I'll scratch that itch. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's 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 weird to say, and it's maybe a little bit of a cop-out, but it's a journey, man. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what we're doing. Enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. What play-by-play guys kind of piqued your interest when you were younger? Oh, it was always Joe Tate. It was always Joe Tate. Hi, everybody. Yep. It was always Joe Tate, and uh, you know, I listened to I listened to Joe Tate when I was a kid. When my in my in my uncle's car, we'd leave McKinley basketball games down in Canton. And, uh, you know, Jim Donovan mm-hmm. is always, you know, the, the best with the cadence that he has. I think he's distinctive from the other guys. You know, you can't leave out Tom Hamilton and what he does, what he's done for, you know, years. I, I remember it, Tom Hamilton, I think, proves the best lesson ever because when he first started, you know, my dad's a big Indians fan. And with he, Kirby. Yeah. 
and my dad's like, I don't like this guy. He sounds. And I remember, I remember when he first like took over, like number <clears> one, like the the number one play-by-play spot. My dad, my dad didn't didn't care for him. And then you know, over time, now it's there's no other voice he'd listen to for baseball. It's Tom Hamilton. So at first, it's such a hard thing because people get used to those things. Yeah. You know, people got used to Joe Tate. They fell in love with Joe Tate. People have gotten used to Jim. They love Jim. And and the same token for baseball now they love Tom Hamilton. You could imagine hearing nobody less, nobody else. And I always wanted to be I always wanted to be the voice of a city. I didn't want to be I, I didn't think I'd be like on TV doing ESPN or anything like that. I always wanted to be football, baseball, basketball. I love doing basketball and I always wanted to be one of those in wherever at that time and then again it's it's if you if you if you're too rigid you're just you're going to I think you're going to end up falling into places because now I found myself in another place where uh I I get to enjoy everything that I do cuz honestly and I I say this too many times it's basically you're sitting on ass and you talk sports there's there, I've I've had harder ways to make a buck so I think that I I love this and I I can't believe I get to do this and if I would have remained just rigid and on that track I don't I don't I certainly wouldn't have got to do this. Yeah, it's kind of worked out great for for you. And when you talk about those play-by-play guys, almost all of them they paid their dues. You know, yeah. Tom Tom and the Miners, uh you, Joe Tate, he was at Coe College in Iowa, mm-hmm. you know, sent a tape to uh, Maletti, he gets yep. the job. Jimmy Donovan, you know, worked in smaller markets and and got an opportunity to. Tim Alcorn's the great, if people listen to the Cavs now, he is the voice of the Cavs. He paid his dues over 30 years of doing high school basketball in Northeast Ohio. When, when Joe Tate was, when Joe Tate was retiring, I like on a lark, I sent something up and I actually got something back from Dave Dombrowski. Okay. And then he sent something back again and something back again. And it was really, really encouraging. Like, I don't know, I don't think, you know, close, whatever, nothing like that. But he was very, very encouraging at that That's time. Nice. And and that was a time where, you know, when that happened, I had met Liz and I was at a real crossroads of of what to do. Because I had met Liz, uh, we were just getting serious. Um, and so I didn't know whether or not it was time to stick with this or if it were time to, you know, go, go get a job yeah. that, that can provide for you yourself and a family. And I, he was very encouraging. I'm like, okay, I got something here. I just got to know where to go with it. So I got to know what I'm doing here in the future. But there's something, if I can get a guy from the Cavaliers to send me something back and actually kind of be into it, then I, I guess I can I can continue to do this. Let's just stick with this for maybe another year. Let's see how it goes. And, mm-hmm. and if it and if it goes to pot, then, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll go in another direction. And so, you know, I've only told this a couple of times. There was So I'm sitting there. My father-in-law, three weeks before they got married, he got laid off. And he got laid off from another company. He had a job then for 40 years at Schwabels. He just retired about a year and a half ago. And it was three weeks before we were getting married. And I got laid off over big traffic mergers and radio, things like yep. that. And I rem- I'll never forget, I was looking at a delivery guy. And he was coming in. And I didn't know... I. I, I didn't know what the meeting was about. I had a feeling. And my boss comes in and he goes, oh, let me go. Get, I, I got to go deliver something. to will be right back. Because he was going to get the other person to be the yeah, be the witness. And I remember I looked outside and went, I could do that. I remember I was like, <laughs> I could. We, I was yeah, like, you get in the truck, you know. you know. And I told Liz, I go, I've been let go. And she goes, oh, okay, great. 
And I'm like, oh, no, that's Boy, not what so, I wanted to hear. Because yeah. in, her, in her head, she was going, oh, he'll quit this foolishness now, and he'll go on, and he'll and, and we'll get a job, and we'll do this right. And and thank God, you know, they, they called up Dave Popovich and everybody else up here. And, and Andy Roth is, you know, I, I love Andy to death, and Andy Roth is, was as open-minded. He's as open-minded as a guy as you're going to find. And uh, the, the next two weeks were a whirlwind, and – I got this job, and I actually signed my contract for this job on the steps of the church in my tux as I was getting married. I signed it on Andy's back. Really? Yeah. He, he he turned around. He said, hey, listen, yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice that you're getting married and all that stuff. Yeah. Let's get this business yeah. done. He drove down because I, I had to fly out, and they had to get it all notarized and everything like that because we were going on our honeymoon. So he drove from Cleveland down to Youngstown. We got married at Holy Name Church. Uh, and, and I was standing outside the, the, the church and he came in, gave me the pen. I signed it up. I felt bad. We were taking the pictures. I was texting Andy. Liz was getting upset, but, uh, Andy came down and I remember my, my uncle Dave, he thought Andy, cause I don't come Who's from this a, guy. I don't come from a Catholic background. So he thought Andy, who by the way is Jewish. He thought Andy was the, was the pastor. So he comes up and like gives him like the one over the shoulder and everything. And I'm going, that's not the pastor. That's not the guy. Because Andy, you know, Andy's a good dresser and things like that. <laughs> so my he thought, future boss. Yeah, he thought Andy was the. I go, this is my new boss. This is Andy. I'm down here to. I said, Dave, just go back in the church and we'll see you here in a bit. So, uh, see you here in a bit. So I sign it. Andy takes off. We go about it. I came back, and the first day we were back, we started the we started the station and everything like that. So it's we're still playing catch up. If that they now you know eight years later we're still playing catch up. But that's kind of it, it's. I mean, talk about instances in your life the the, the encouragement from the Cavs or from mm-hmm. from from mm-hmm. Joe Tate from Dombrowski that's that's a big thing that's almost a fork in the road kind of a thing for you in terms of at least aligning you yeah. still on the path that you're on as opposed yeah. to thinking oh, no yeah. maybe that Schwabel's truck is yeah. the, is the way to go well yeah I, I thought you know there's a whole lot of different things that uh you know my my family is not uh you know I got I got we weren't big college people you know, I was the first. My cousin Jimmy was the first one with my last name to graduate college, and then, and then I graduated, and I just thought, you know, because I, I didn't really know what to do, and here we are, we're getting married in three weeks, so it was, you know, time to time to get a full time. I'm not going to sit there and live in my, because we already lived in a very small loft apartment in and, and Boardman, and I'm, and, and at that time I go, ah, oh, well, I'll be damned if I'm going to go move back in with uh with my in-laws so that wasn't going to happen we weren't going to move to canton so it, it just became one of those things and and again it, opportunity uh meets a lot of stuff and uh and, and again it, i don't want to get too crazy personal or anything thank god it all happened thank god it all went down and i i you know you you don't want to forget those type of things because it can be. I've learned this too. It can be gone in an instant. So you don't want to. You, you don't want to forget any of that stuff because it, it's funny how life can go at times. It really is. All right, let's make the sausage. Let's tell people how you do your job. You started off here. You were doing the night show for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and you were just kind of trying to make your, you were the uh, kind of like the new kid on the block and got to prove myself, guy. Yeah. When I interviewed, I didn't know. I didn't really know it was for the night show. I thought I might be doing updates. I thought, you know, whatever. I didn't really understand. And then he's like, well, you'd be doing the nights and things like that. And I just kind of, honestly, I kind of thought it would kind of go under the radar. And so when I got it, it was like at night. And then I realized, man, I got to file five hours. So it, it was a real, just, it, it, it was like another learning experience of just how to do a show right and to not do a show wrong. What'd you base it off of? 
the show? Yeah, just, like just, you know, it, it was about having fun because I, you know, at that time, you know, everybody thinks the phones just ring all the time. They don't. They, you know, they got to be engaged in the middle of summer. And, you know, especially if you're going up at live against live sports at that time. So and some hosts are, you know, averse to callers. Some hosts. Oh love no! Calls. Oh God! At at night, you need them. Yeah. And you 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 have as much fun as you can with them. You have as much possible fun as you can with them because, you know, you want them to call back again tomorrow. Because you, you, you need it. One of the biggest things people used to always lay on me was like, you just love the sound of your own voice. That's all you do is talk to yourself. You need to take more calls. I go, if it's July, if you're not calling, <laughs> I can't take your call. So I want you to call. That's why I'll leave people on hold. And, you know, there's things that you have to learn when you get into different day parts and things like that. But at night, they really gave me a lot of, a lot of leeway. And then, um, you know, when we would go... On Fridays, then we could let your hair down a little bit more, and then after 10 o'clock, you could always let your hair down a little bit more. And and Kid was always perfect at at you know figuring out. That's know, Kenny what, Kid. Yeah, Kenny Kid, Kid who does a great job over at NCX now, and and I've loved even though he won't believe this, he won't let he won't hear this anyway. But um, <laughs> you know Kenny's Kenny's Kenny. Uh, he won't believe me when I say it. I've I've loved to see him. He's one of my closest friends, and so I've he's seen. He's seen my life grow, and I've seen his life grow, and uh, I'm very proud that he's with me, mm-hmm. and he's still with me in the mornings. But I've also I'm, I've been very proud to hear him on Saturday nights over at NCX. You know, he took over for a legend in Mr. Classic, and so now he's kind of taken that show and he's made it his own thing, and, he, and he's done a great job with that. And I do listen on Saturdays. He doesn't believe me, but I do, and sometimes I'll text him to make sure he knows I'm listening because I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to lie to him. But uh, he was always perfect at, you know, kind of mixing in. Sometimes, you know, we made some mistakes, as everybody's going to do. But um, but he he was always very, very good at figuring out, you know, what's right, what's wrong, where to pull back, where to push forward, where yeah. to have fun, you know, those type of things. He was always very, very good at that, very good at the sound and what sounds good. He's very good at that. You, what did you – what do you think you struggled with the most uh, initially at night? Oh, God. And again, it's a different it's a different feel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's always it? that's always gonna be in the eye of the listener or the ear of the listener. Um I mean you're I, going up you against games. Yeah, you're, you know, you have I, divided attentions, you I have think, people going from place to place. I think it was confidence. I think a little bit there, I think a little bit there. Um I used to I used to read the radio message boards. Oh. And I'll never Bad idea. forget. I've never. Oh God! And the first time we came out, like the radio, like I, 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 there was a one that I don't even think it's around anymore, because I haven't done it. I told myself like six months into this, into the station, I'm, I'm done with these. They're just gonna ruin your life. Don't yeah. do it. And I haven't looked back since. Thank God. But uh, I was reading it. And I remember I was so excited, and I'm looking at it, and there's all these, you know, all these screen names, and they're talking about the show. And the first one I read. Night Guy's a child. The show sucks. Uh, you know, they, they, it was just the worst possible one. It's so amateurish. Should be back in college. I'm like, God, heaven. And I remember I just felt bad the entire day. Yeah. And so you, you just got to realize that if you do anything that has an opinion, uh, there's going to be people who don't like that opinion. So it, it's, been, it's been a thickening of skin over time. Right. And I just don't want my skin to be too thick when then I treat everybody like garbage. I think some hosts make that that mistake, and that's a bad mistake to make. But it's also been like, all right, well, you know, you share an opinion, and, and that's how that's going to happen. So I think a little bit of confidence 
and a little bit like that, trying to find the right type of feedback, trying to trying to be nice. And sometimes you get you get worked up and and you 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 regret certain back and forth you have with listeners every now and then. But uh, you know that, that I think that was the biggest one that I think I had to work on was that. Kenny, I remember um, you know Bill Needle, the late Bill Needle. He was a good friend of mine. I worked with him. And he did, uh, you know, radio sports talk. And I could see, he, you know, he comes from a teaching background. So mm-hmm. he would, it would be like basically his daily lesson plan. And he would have that thing written out to the nth degree. And then I know some hosts that just show up and, you know, they're on the air. How do you prepare? Oh, it's, it's by the way, Bill Needle. Here we go in story time again. Bill Needle, I met him when he was doing the Kent State show. May he and rest I ran, in peace. Yes, I ran the board for him. For whatever reason, he took a liking to me. And so I would go to some Kent State basketball games and and chart for him and things. Oh, cool. And that's where I met. I learned how to make a play-by-play chart from him, and he introduced me to Ray Guy and Michael because it was a carbon copy of what Michael made. And so I was always able. Michael, I've learned and you know at the Bill? Cavs oh, and, and Bill. And so it was like I was like, oh my God, I made my legend here because I loved watching Ray Guy on TV. He's tremendous. And so I was like, this is. I've patented this. I've patterned this after you. Like it was like a big like thing. Like oh my God, you're my idol. My goodness gracious. And I never wanted to be him because I never thought I'd be on TV. So it was always radio. But good God, I mean, when Reg would do, you know, just everybody has a Reg impression. But you know, on the Cedric person, on Wesley person on the deck, like that type of thing. Almost Cedric person. Um, no, uh, Reg is the best. Yeah, He's fantastic. But what I do, what I like to do, I like to, I like to write in teases. Or now it's different because it's uh, I'm with Anthony, so it's not as much in teases as it is in topic, and then I'll think of the tease later. So I'll write it on – I always like a computer paper, not anything that has lines. And okay. I, it's almost a little bit obsessive-compulsive, but it I write nice. it. Uh, I, I usually try to fill up a page or whatever. Everything down is written down because – and this was a, this is a regism if I can if I can help if I can share, it's just always easier to remember when you've written it down. It's I, I try to type I try to tweet or text myself. It doesn't really work as well. I try to do a whole lot of other things. It really typing does. it out, yeah, typing it out doesn't work. Writing it down for whatever reason the process makes me remember. And then it's okay. What's the most important? What's secondary important? What's going on in the world today that we have to make sure that we mention here for a short period of time? Because again, it's a morning show, so it's not just sports, 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 sports. Like there was weather a couple of days. You got to mention the weather. You got to mention that, hey, some people don't take a look outside, whatever. Take a look out there. It's a little bit nasty. If you can leave early, you leave yep. early. Um, I always like to, and I leave the news on for a reason, because I always want to be able to pick up things from certain things that are going on that are off the cuff that could help us out. And so like there's been a couple of times and I, I just always try to throw in something because they'll show like the cam and I go, well, if you're on 480 Westbound, you're in a traffic jam. So I want you to listen to this. And I, cause I just imagine some guy sitting there going, yeah, I am in a traffic jam. Like I kind of want that to go down. But, um, and then, and then we just do it. And then I highlight things in different, pink is my tease. Okay. And then yellow is the actual topic that I want to make sure that we try to throw out there. Blue is going to be a guest at that time. Orange is a specific segment like um, I have a theory, something like that. Green highlighter is audio that I want to make sure that we, we play. Sometimes we miss on audio and sometimes we miss on topics because sometimes during a course of, of a talk, it's easier when I'm by myself because yeah. it's right there in front of me and everything's there. I don't write out a whole lot. There might be some bullet points. 
but especially when it's Anthony and I, if we're embroiled in something or anything like that, then I will have different papers that are sitting and it'll end up getting lost. And then I'm like right before the break, I go, Jesus, I got to find this thing. So that'll throw you off. But that's basically, yeah, that's basically how we do it. And then it's also, I got to make sure that Anthony fits in what he wants to talk about as well. Cause you know, that's, it's his show too. And I want to make sure we get that in every now and then I tell you what, uh, no, I shouldn't even say every now and then there's a lot of times where, you know, regular life, Lima doesn't have kids, and Lima's not married, so we there's... We have to understand where and, people are coming from. Yeah, so there's there's like that, but there's a lot of guys like Ken. And you married. give him grief about him yeah. going out and all that. Yeah, exactly. And and Owen, Owen has, you know, three kids from his previous marriage, and now he has three more kids with his current wife, so now they have six kids all together. And it's a, it's a quite literal Brady Bunch situation. And you have Lizzie and I, who... And, and Owen's youngest, I think, is six, and now you have Lizzie and I, who you are... you got your little pack. Yeah, who are, and hopefully we're done. Uh, but you know what? You got a Def Leppard concert coming up, so we'll see how she goes. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, there's there's a whole lot, and I like to be able to mix that in because there's there's certainly people out there who agree with Kenny. There's people out there who agree with Lima and see his perspective, who see Owen's perspective, who see my who sees my perspective, and you have to throw those in at different times and try to make it all work. Sometimes it doesn't mix the right way, yep. and sometimes it sounds horrible, but sometimes it sounds okay, and that's what we're shooting for. We hear good chemistry. I hear good chemistry. Thank God. How's that come about? Is there any theory to that? Well, or? I get along. I get one of the, so Kenny and I have been together a long time. So yeah. Kenny and I know each other very, 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 very well. I thought you guys had good chemistry back when you started. You yeah. know, at night. Yeah, too. but I think that was one of the things that you know Lyman and I had to make because Lyman and I are always. I've always. I've always gotten along with Anthony. I've always got like the first time Lyman made me laugh was out of nowhere. Um, Lindsay Fulton, who yeah. used to work here, she now works in LA. Lindsay Baseball, yeah, call her. She asked the number to the parking garage across the street, and Lyman goes, Garfield 1, 2, 3, 2, 3, out of nowhere. And it was like that quick, and for whatever reason, I That's laughed. Cleveland. And I remember Lyman goes, he goes, uh, most people don't like me at first. You, hopefully, you'll like me later. And Lyman will say this on air because it was true. Like, Bull and Fox did not care for him, and he knew that. And so he would kind of chide him a little bit, and then, of course, he grows on everybody. Hopefully, he grows on, on everybody else. But I liked him from the beginning. I, I've always... You know, Lyman and I, we get in arguments just like anybody else, but I've always got along with him. But when we first started on air, I think Lima had to, you know, we had to all figure it out. I can't just always acquiesce to Kenny because Lima is the guy across the way from me. I have to engage with Lima. So that had to be worked out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Owen, when he came in as the producer, he's done a very good job of recognizing the callers can help make the show. They can help ruin the show. Um, there's some really good days we pick out good callers, and he's the one who picks out the good callers. Uh, he knows what audio needs to be played. He has a very good ear for where we need to go on certain things, and, and he's able to do that. So, But that that does take a lot more time than I thought it was going to take. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you think that you're just going to go in there and you just kill it from the very beginning, and that's the way it is. No, it wasn't that way. And, and there were times where, gosh, we were just out there and you flounder because you don't know what you're doing yet because you don't know each other yet. Yeah. And so we do benefit from having very patient people who are above us. Where, you know, Bull and Fox have been a wildly successful show for eight years. Staple. Yes. But they have, but, you know, at the very beginning, they had to get used to each other. Baskin and Phelps have been a successful show for eight years. We've been together for just now over three years. So, so they had patience with them and thank God they exercised patience with us. Cause they're like, Oh, we'll be like them eventually, but we're going to have to deal with some bad shows and bad meetings and, yeah. 
and do that. And uh, thank God they did because it's it's it, it's it's made us all better about things. And there was a lot of things about morning radio I, I simply did not know, and I had to learn, and I had to learn for myself actually on air. Because it is a, it is just a completely different animal than any other day part that I've ever done in my life. Any For, other one? Well, first and foremost, you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. All the guys here, all the people that work here, they want to see the teams do well. They're Clevelanders for the most part. So how do you reconcile wanting to be a fan, wanting the teams to do well, but also knowing that sometimes, quote unquote, I'll use the word shit storms. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know we could cuss. I'm about uh, to start that's dropping bombs all over. Wow. <laughs> I'm your first guy you've used it? <laughs> that's the first time. Man, anyway, everybody just gets so relaxed you... <laughs> around me. Hell, let's do it. Let's do some cussing. Remember I'm kidding. I Go ahead. said a bad word on the set at Fox 8, oh. but no one should know that. <laughs> um, anyway, how do you reconcile that, the fact that, you know, you're a fan, you want the team to do well, all that stuff, but then sometimes when crazy stuff is going on, it makes for... Great radio, great discussion, great engagement um, for your job. It, it, there's a fine line there because one of the biggest misconceptions is you guys love it when they lose. No. You want them to win. You want them to be interesting. And thank God they've always been interesting. They just haven't always won. But there's a time, like when they were, when they were 1-15 and 0-16, and and when people stopped caring, I got really worried about that. Because there wasn't as much fan engagement with us. There wasn't as it's much fan engagement like with the Browns. Yeah. I don't Blasey. want – yeah. I mean, yeah, you want some you, – I'm not going to lie. You want something to talk about. So there are times where I look at this, and, and it's not just with the Browns, but the Indians. and Not as much with the Indians, though. The Indians are a pretty stoic organization and pretty successful. Uh, the Cavaliers can be very dramatic. I mean, they were the perfect storm, basically. They were so dramatic, but they won. Yeah. And then there was always that argument. So maybe I should really use the Cavs as an organization. I want the Cavs to win. Or example, I want the Cavs to win. Right. But we always had something to talk about, and you always wanted to blend that in the best you can with, okay, well. Especially when 23 is around. Exactly. Yeah. So there's all this other stuff going on, but they still found ways to win. And so that made it a lot more fun. So it was at least interesting about that. So it's not about, I don't want them to lose. I don't want any of the teams to lose. I want them to be successful. But you also want something to be able to talk about because – you know, you look at a team like uh, you look at a team like New England, and I never want to do this. You know, people people accuse New England radio of doing some doing some wild things that maybe aren't necessarily. I, I don't I haven't listened to as much as I have other cities with that case, but it's like, well, they just they roast them, they build them up to roast them, and I'm going, I'm not trying to do that. You know, you are what you are, and what you are is a dynasty. And there are things to talk about. You can talk about the NFL going at you, but you have to you have to dig deeper for that type of thing. And I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, well, you guys love drama. Well, I'd like something to talk about, so there's a little bit of that. That's the truth. But I don't like it when they lose four in a row and we're wondering whether or not a wide receiver wants to be here, whether or not the quarterback's actually going to be the franchise, whether or not we need to fire a head coach after the first year. And I didn't like, I didn't like having a regular season where you'd win 55-plus games, but we were worried about being – there is a time where you reach a breaking point where you go, you know what? I don't want to have to sit here and check a guy's Instagram account. I'm a, I'm a grown married man. I'm not trying to look at Instagram accounts over here. And I'm not worried about LeBron James, whether or not he wants to follow or unfollow or fit right. in or fit out or any of that crap. Like there's times where, yeah, I reach my breaking point with it too. So I want to understand the fans on that. And I think that that's, that's always a hard thing to do because you it can, it can really turn into a fan versus media thing too totally. if you don't watch it. Like with the Odell thing. Well, you guys, you guys report all this stuff. Well, I'm, I'm not reporting. I'm only talking about yeah. it. And if you, it's out there, you're and, talking about exactly. And I tell her, if you don't believe it, you got to tell me why. But I'll listen to you why you don't believe any of it. You know all this stuff. So, 
That's always been the toughest thing to reconcile. I don't want them to lose, and I am also prone, and this is why I really admire Anthony. I am very prone to not wanting to believe when things are going to go poorly, where I don't want to sit there and put my head in the sand, but I I don't want to believe. You you, you got yeah, a little Pollyanna in you. Yeah, I don't, and I it's hard for me to see the truth on certain things because I do and I do want fans to be happy. And I when I got a sense that fans aren't going to be happy about something, it's a real killer because I do want I do I want sports fans to be happy here. And so when I see some of that stuff, that's like, oh god, no, that can't be true. Oh, they can pull out of it. Nope. Nope, this is going to be a you-know-what show, and this is going to be bad for a while, and we're going to have to pull out of this. So, you know, with all three teams, again, not as much with the Indians. They're they're a pretty well-run organization, i got to say. But with the other two, they can be problem children here and there, and and that's that's a difficult thing. That There's times where people don't believe this, but there's times where I have, I have lost sleep because I just know, I'm like, man, they are going to call in, and they are going to be so angry tomorrow. And I got to deal I with don't it. Want to do that. And I got to hear him out on this. And I don't want to have to deal with it because it just sucks the life out of me. And I don't want to have to deal. Like there is a lot of emotion that plays into it. I do not get excited over bad news. That Miles Garrett thing went down. I had to watch that game in the morning because I my eye issue flared up. I woke up, sat down, watched that game. The end of that game happened, and I damn near died. I damn near died when I saw that because I looked up and I go, "Oh my God!" In two hours, they are going to be coming for this. Holy jeez! They were already, and, and <laughs> I just felt terrible because I knew it was going to happen. I knew that they were going to they were going to pin his ass to the wall yep. about all this stuff, and I just knew I was like, "Gosh, we can't. We just I can't." I was I was so happy until the very end of the game because I go, "Well, this is." It was the perfect night yeah. until eight eight seconds. Exactly. Left. I go, you know, Baker's whatever. They were great on defense. They made Mason Rudolph, who's supposed to be their future, look like garbage. Yep. And then that happened, and then I see this goofball Mason Rudolph still going after him. I go, I'm going to say all this, and people are just going to call me a homer, and I'm, I'm and and they're going to suspend Miles for the rest of the season, and there's not a damn thing I'm going to be able to do about it. And I knew it then, and I said it in the next morning, and damned if it didn't happen, and I still get a little bit worried about all that. And then I just, I knew it. I, I knew, it. John. I swear to God, I go. And Marquise Pouncey is going to come back. They're going to they're going to do everything for Marquise Pouncey, and it, it's happened every single time. I lost my mind yesterday when he got voted to the Pro Bowl. I go, this always happens. It, it just it always seems to be that way. We won the battle, we lost the war, and away we go. I, it, I hate it. I absolutely hate that part of it. Other than that, is, is it is it tough for you to sorry, negotiate? Put my phone over there. Go ahead. Negotiate the the sticky stuff, knowing that you're fan number one, number two, you host a a popular show on the radio every morning. And then three, a part of you, at least, you guys are affiliated with the Browns in some way, mm-hmm, shape, mm-hmm. or form due to contractual agreements and what have you. You know, you have to walk the fine line. How do you deal with that? The best thing is I never <coughs> say anything about somebody I wouldn't say directly to their face. And some of that stuff is strong, and i got to go, I would have to say this to that guy's face. Uh, and I think Lima does the same thing. A lot of people don't want to believe that. I mean, hell, Lima told Joe Thomas he wanted him traded right to his face. Joe Thomas could throw him right off the building anytime yeah. he wanted to. Pick him up and toss him. And uh, he had to tell him. He goes, I wanted you traded. And I have to tell you why I wanted you traded. And it wasn't about you. It was about the future. And And Joe was actually understanding of it. Um, but you try not to say anything about anybody you wouldn't say to their face. Like the other day when I said... What did I say? I said, I said, Freddie was walking around. He looked like a tow truck driver that lost the car on the highway. 
I would have to say that to Freddie. And I have had uh, certain instances where there have been some very awkward situations where certain guys have heard what I've said, and I've had to back that up. And also, I've had certain situations where other hosts have said things, and that they were told by their family members that I happen to be the one who said. It. I had a very, so I had you've a, been falsely quote accused. I, I had a very interesting day with Craig Robertson one time, where Craig is, uh, Craig can be very scary when he wanted to be, and. One day, I believe somebody told him, I don't know exactly which host it was, but somebody told him something that I did not say. And so one day I was interviewing him. I was, I was interviewing him for, you know, I was recording it for a Friday night. And, uh, boy, he's staring at me. And then all of a sudden he kind of popped in with a couple of things. And I went, I looked over him. Where is this going? Yeah. I looked over him. I go, oh. And then I kept, and he kept doing, I go, he thinks I'm somebody else right now. Because they don't know me yeah. from Adam. Yeah, he's it's, not it's, listening to Sports Talk Radio. And so the next week I went up to him. I go, you know, my name's Ken. And, and I go, I go. You might have you been told that I said something that I didn't say? And we actually cleared the air a little bit on it. And I go, hey, I go, I got nothing. Because I had nothing against Craig Robinson. I still have nothing against Craig Robinson. He's a nice guy to me. Other than that, he was a great guy to me. Um, there have been a couple of moments where um, I've I've had with a couple of players where it hasn't always been sunshine and roses. It didn't end sun, sunshine and roses. You know, issue with even coaches on that matter because I, I understand they take it very seriously. And here's just some. And I understand to them that I'm just some idiot. Don't know what I'm talking about. Talking in front of thousands of people. I don't. I have not dedicated my entire life to football. I got to look at basketball and I got to look at baseball. So likewise, yeah. And I and I know that there's people in all other buildings who the the other two buildings who don't care for for what we say. But I'm. I never say anything, I, at least I try to not say it, try to never say anything that I wouldn't say to somebody in person. And then the other part is that I think that we know, I, I've been, we've been blessed enough to know that, that the show's been around now long enough, the hosts have been around now long enough, most people, not everybody, because we've still got a lot of work to do and hopefully we'll be on for a long time. But most people know when something's in jest, or they know that my best interest is there. Like there were times when we first started, we make some sarcastic. Twitter doesn't know about. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, exactly. That's that we'd make some we'd make some sarcastic remarks, or some some people wouldn't notice, or people wouldn't know. Now I now they know. They they know. You know if I, you know when they lost to Denver, and I sat there and I flat out embarrassed myself. I guaranteed a win and all this and the other, and I just I saw I saw Noah Fant run into the end zone and they're down fourteen nothing. I go, this is not going to go our tackle. way, and yep. I'm going to be cussing up a storm tonight, and I'm going to be upset tomorrow. And I was, and I lost my mind. I, I lost my mind because I wanted to win. I wanted to win because I want fans to be happy, and I and I hope that they know that. I I make no bones about it, and I I don't think any radio show host should make bones about it. You know, there's there's something to be said for guys who are journalists, and they are, they write things down, and they got to get stories accurate and all that other stuff. That's fine. Uh, I'm a guy on the radio. I am not a journalist. I'm an opinionist. And that means that my opinion can be clouded, and it's certainly up to the listener, and it's up to my co-host to to challenge me if he thinks my opinion's been clouded. And you, him. Yep. Yeah. And so I do think that there are times where, yes, I do see you mentioned Pollyanna. That's part of it. There's also times where I maybe go a little bit overboard, even though I try not to, go a little bit overboard because I am mad. And I, if you're going to do this, you should be a sports fan. I openly admit on the Saturday show. That, yeah, I want the Browns to do well. And I even openly admit that I said, 
If I were from any other city, this is the beginning of the year. If I were in any other city, if I was in Detroit at, hate, at the ticket, would I would want them to fail miserably because this is not the way to go about business. And I was hoping that, that they would buck the trend and this would be something where, hey, Baker Mayfield can do this, but other guys can do it. And, well, Baker Mayfield's finding out that he can't do it. And I think that he's hopefully having a very humbling moment and he'll be much better in 2020. Yet, I, I feel bad for those guys who who might be on a national platform and, well, you know, I call it down the line and I want to just see a good football game. That would be kind of boring, wouldn't it? I go, you know, no five-year-old sitting there going, I hope we just see a good football game today. There's no five-year-old who's saying that. No five-year-old is sitting there like, oh, you know, Baker Mayfield. There was something in you at some point that made you a hardcore you can't, you can't let that, you can't let that wall down for just a second. You can't do that. I got a writer on from CBS once. He was, his family were season ticket holders to the Raptors, okay. and it was right as the, right as they're getting ready to beat the Warriors last year. I go, there's nothing there. He goes, I just want to see a good game. I go, man, I had to tell him on air. I go, that's sad. Yeah. I go, I'm sorry. I, I hope that you can think about this. I go, this is probably going to be a once in a lifetime thing. Kawhi Leonard's going to leave. I hope that you can find some enjoyment to the five year old you. 10-year-old you, the guy who watched Chris Bosh leave, the guy who watched Vince Carter leave, I I pray, I seriously pray that there's something with you behind closed doors because that would be a shame. That, that to me is the greatest. Us losing our, our fandom is is one of the greatest tragedies of what we do. You know, I, I want to add to that. Uh, 2016, the, the uh, locker room, after the Cavs won the championship, mm-hmm. and I'm the professional. You know, I'm out getting as many. But you know, deep down inside, I'm loving every second of that. Yeah. This was this was the 11 yeah. year old me that was at Municipal Stadium with my father when Jim Brown and the Browns won the last championship the city of Cleveland had. And so part of me was there, but yeah. yet I was being professional. And you know, you do kind of have to walk the line. But in a moment like that, I think the Clevelanders came out. The Cleveland you saw people. East side, west side, standing on top of cars, everybody loving each other. Then the parade, the same type of a deal. That's what sports, you know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm in this business. I'm sure that's a big reason why you're in the business. Yeah. And you can drop your hat down, your, leave your guard down just a little bit. Be a pro, but enjoy yeah. the doggone If moment. I wanted to be cold-blooded, I could have I fallen money. I could have I tried to get a finance degree. I, I could have done mortgages. I could have tried to do that. I could have I tried to do a lot of things. Like, you get into this for some sort of an emotion and some sort of an enjoyment and whether you're right or right or wrong or whatever, I, I just don't understand guys who, oh, I call it down the line, and that's the way it is. Like, great, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm I'm glad that tickles your fancy. I I think you lose something out of that. I I just do. Look at the uh, the the YouTube video of Freddie McLeod mm-hmm. up there in that oh, perch, God, yes. in that arena yes. with AC. I'm almost getting misty. I'm thinking about that. That look at that. You think he was? Well, I just want this to be a. A well-played game. You know, this was a guy who, that was the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, and I also love that he was a guy who, at that time, he would have been, because he he was 67 this year. So Mm -hmm. this is a man who's in his early to mid-60s. And you hear a lot about guys where they do it so long, and that's it. And they turn off their they turn off their mic, and they go home, and that's it. And that that can, because it can weigh on you, because you realize you're powerless. Like um, I think who Ralph was is I think it's Ralph Lawler who did the Clippers for so many years, and he knew. The owner's a joke. This organization's a joke. But he never lost hope. 
and you're looking at a guy like Fred McLeod where, boy, you look at this organization over its history from Ted Stepien oh, yeah. and, and all the other years. Well, Fred was here. Fred's from here. And so Fred loved the team, and then he's back, and he's actually – he was beloved in two cities, which that's – That's amazing. That's a hell of a legacy when you really break that down. It really is. And you can see it because there's what, – what makes that part so great is you're, you're, that there's 10-year-old Fred in there. There's, there's a child in there. And then that's also at a grown man Fred, an accomplished Fred, who that all comes out at the same time. He keeps it together. He ropes it together so well. AC's going nuts there. Like that, that is still where that's like, thank God it means something. Because he also sees the, the struggle that they went through. He sees some of the people that really, truly care within the organization. Yeah. I can't believe he wasn't completely over, overwhelmed. He couldn't make that call. Because I, gosh, I, I was... We were doing a show not that even night. Have the words. Yeah, we were yeah. doing a show that night. A guy named Michael Williams, who was cover who covers the PGA, was on. He knew where I was from, and he basically just gave a report so I could re- respond to what was going on up there. So thank God for Michael Williams. But no, that's that's one of the greatest moments ever. Wow, that might be the best way for us to end this interview. Spectacular! It always goes so quickly. It does. Can I say one more? Where thing? do we start? We holy crap! We started forty minutes ago, forty-five minutes ago. Oh, that's crazy. That's great. Well, I hope we yeah, got to say one wanted. more thing or two uh, things. I listen, even though he's not going to hear it. <laughs> I, he, he's not. Not it, a lot of people are listening. I'm not saying because oh, I said kid, don't listen. To kids like <laughs> you're going to laugh at this because someone's going to have to turn it on and play it for Danny because you know Danny's not going to go find some smart speaker or anything like that. Danny Coglin. I listen to the Danny Coglin podcast and. I remember, <laughs> I, I, I'm listening to the stories. I think that we do not have, one of the things that I think is maybe missing a little bit in writing, we, do we don't not have, have characters. We don't have storytellers like that. We don't have characters yeah. like that. Like he tells, I agree it, with you, Kenny. When, when he said, it, the, the, when he's telling the story about, so I, call, I called the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and then I, then President Kennedy shot. I go home, I talk to the guy. The Post Dispatch is still waiting for me to call him up. Like he always has, Danny always has a way to exactly. finish it off with a line. <laughs> like when, um, wasn't it what, Roger Peckinpah or something like yes, that? Yes, the, that's, uh, you want to tell fired? a story? Yeah, yeah. tell okay. a story, tell right. a story. The story goes like this. Dennis Lustig was the very diminutive reporter, the Cleveland, Cleveland uh, Plain Dealer, loved by everybody in the city. And Danny had almost a cottage industry of telling stories about Dennis Lustig, his his uh, his size, and he was quite the character. And he hung around with him, and he would take him all over the city. He'd be the guy that would hit the elevator buttons for him. Mm-hmm. And you know where I'm going with this. So uh, uh, Dennis Lustig uh, wrote a story that Roger Peckinpah, had, the former manager of the Cleveland Indians, had passed away. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, that's that's out there. And then, uh, so one day, two or three years later or whatever, uh, they're sitting around the plane dealer uh, offices and the teletype comes across and says, you know, um, the, 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 the copywriter, reader, whoever that job it is to rip the copy and read it, he, he ripped it and he announced to everybody, Roger Peckinpah, Roger Peckinpah, manager of the Cleveland Inn, has just passed away. And Dennis Lustig was at his typewriter. Uh-huh. He just looked up and without missing a beat said, I had that three years ago. <laughs> and, went back to, and, and went back to typing. And that's, and that's one of a million stories. You, you keep going back to the whole storytelling thing. That's what Danny Coughlin's was was yeah. about and is about and to, still to this day. I called him the other day. I was looking for a phone number. And he said it, it was in the L's. He literally told me stories about all the other L's that were oh in God. that in that queue before he gave me the phone and number. He had, 
he had he has relationships with guys still. You know, he goes to all these high school games and he, he knows all these coaches. He know gosh, the, the high school football coaches now he knows their parents. He knows oh, them. Yeah. like like Steve Trevisano. He he knew his dad. He coached. He, so, he was with his father exactly. Yeah. So so you have a guy there like you don't have you don't have that anymore. Like I I still at the high school level, you know, you got some good coaches out there, and I wish I could just name names and we'd yeah. be here all day. That they're. They'll confide in you some things. They'll talk to you. You'll learn a lot about it. College, it's still a little bit, but it's a lot more guarded. No matter where it's at at D three or yep. whether it's in big time D one NFL. Forget about boy, it. it's hard. It's really hard. And then it was just a different. I, I know it was a different era. I know that that they they and and part of it's our fault. They they can't trust them like they used to. Yep. But Danny is. A guy who he goes the recall for 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 stories the relationships that he's built it's insane it's hearing so it yes and he's such a great storyteller that I I I'm listening to that I I'd be right now I'd be truly truly remiss that if you're listening to this right now you got to go back and listen to, if you didn't listen to the Danny Coglin one you got to yeah. go listen to the Danny Coglin one because yeah. especially if you're a person <laughs> who appreciates the history of the city appreciates the history of of, of Cleveland sports. I swear to God, I I love Danny and I love the stories and it's it's nothing but entertaining. It's fantastic stuff, fantastic stuff. Kenny, thanks very much, buddy. Thank you for having me. Do we get to do it again at some point and just talk Cleveland sports and I get to get riled up and all that stuff? Yeah, I think okay, we should good. definitely book that. Uh, good. Have your people talk to mine. Thank God. You mean me talk to you? I yeah. can have my wife call you, but Liz, I don't want to have wait. Liz call Jane and okay. Jane will call Liz. Put buddy. it all together. Have my dog call your dog. We'll do yeah. the whole thing. Thank you, buddy. You bet. Happy lives. Thanks once again to Ken Carmen. Great conversation. And you heard Kenny mention Danny Coglin. Danny Coglin's on episode 46 if you check out the archives on any of these podcast platforms. And since we're talking about high school football and also the world of the high school football in Northeast Ohio, here are some of the episodes of some of the more prominent figures in high school football that I have interviewed this uh, past season. Tiger Laverde, the head coach of the Kirtland Hornets, who have won five state championships now. He is episode number 44. Coach Triv, Steve Trivisano, Mentor High School, who just retired. He is episode 30. And Chuck Kyle, who has won 11 state championships with the St. Ignatius Wildcats. He is episode 22. And Max Stevens, who led his high school football team, the Cleveland Heights Football Tigers, to a league championship and into the playoffs this year. Max Stevens is episode 17. All great guys. Hope you give some of those a listen. And as always, subscribe, rate, and spread the word. I certainly can use the help. Thanks once again to Kenny Carmen. Best of luck to Ken and his young and growing family as they move forward. And of course, best wishes to Kenny as he continues along the professional path in broadcasting. Good to be a partner with him on those high school Friday night touchdown nights here at Fox 8. And thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you the next time around on Tellage Talks.